up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat Podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers. This week, we are reviewing Slammiversary 2022, the 20th year anniversary of TNA and Impact Wrestling, emanating from the Asylum, the place where TNA used to run their weekly pay-per-views from 2002 to 2004. This show was very much a love letter to the last 20 years of TNA and Impact Wrestling, and let's go ahead and get the review started with the pre-show. Remember, none of the grades for any of these pre-show matches are going to count towards the final grade, but we'll go ahead and talk about the pre-show matches really quick. The show opened up with Rich Swan defending the Digital Media Championship against Brian Myers. Rich Swan does successfully defend that title. This was a, a really fun match. Like I said, the grade isn't going to count towards the final grade, but I did give it a B. It was, it was pretty short. I think it was only seven or eight minutes long. These two guys do have very good chemistry together. I think that they did have a fun match for the time that they were given. I've worked with both of these guys on multiple occasions. I have always enjoyed calling their matches. And I think that they did a really good job here opening up the show for the live crowd. After that, we had the infamous... Oh, fuck God. I, I, I hate that I'm even talking about one of these matches right now. But we had the infamous reverse battle royal. I talked a little last week about how I, I had a feeling that this match could potentially be coming back here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you guys from jump. Look, I knew. I I, I knew that this match was going to happen. You know, I, I'm not going to give away anything. But as you guys know, if you've been listening long enough, I happen to know a few people that work there. I knew this match was going to happen. I wasn't happy about it whenever I found out. And I continued to not be very happy about it whenever I watched this match because this was just not it wasn't good but the thing is I think if there were any redeeming qualities I think is that everybody involved knew that it wasn't going to be good because it's kind of impossible to have a good reverse battle royal there was some neat things I did want to talk about though they had a handful of people that were there that were actually a part of the old asylum years in impact making their return to this building some of them haven't been there for 20 years uh, one of them being shark boy who did eventually go on to win this reverse battle royal slash and the sinister minister james mitchell made an appearance they actually got their own entrance which was really cool the natural chase stevens was there david young the master of the spine buster and of course johnny swinger all of these guys were there the original couple of years of tna swinger is, is so odd Swinger's the only one that actually looks to still be in pretty good shape but uh yeah the match it wasn't good uh, a big gripe that I had, you had 72-year-old Mike Jackson doing his spot, which is impressive. I get it. You know, he did the whole thing where he walked across the guardrails and all that. I've seen Mike work before. I saw him work in Impact. He worked against Johnny Swinger, and he did the thing where he walked across the ring ropes. And it's like, when you see it the first time, yeah, it's impressive. Because, you know, he's doing a thing that guys a quarter of his age can't fucking do. Like, yeah, that is impressive. But that's it. That's all that Mike does. And once you've seen it a dozen times, it gets really, really fucking old. No disrespect to Mr. Mike Jackson, but I just... I think the reason that I'm being so critical over that spot here is because this match is already a clusterfuck, but then you've got only seven of the eight guys that need to be in the ring for the official actual battle royal part to start. They, they're just standing there because the eighth guy is the guy that Mike Jackson is guiding around the fucking asylum. So everybody just stops what they're doing to watch Mike Jackson do this spot for like two and a half minutes. And it just, it made the match even worse, in my opinion. I know it's such a, it's such a goofy thing to get upset about. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun to watch. Zicky, I love you to death. 
Um, and I do love that, you know, Zicky and Swinger at multiple points throughout the match both did not seem to understand the rules, which I do enjoy. Zicky tried to get in the ring a couple of times, but he tried going in through the bottom rope and then trying going in through the middle rope, even though he's supposed to go over the top. I thought that that was a funny little touch, but Zicky's like half selling on the outside where like he's clearly waiting for somebody else to show up so they can do a spot, but like he's just kind of like pretending to sell, but then looking around at the same time. Zicky, I'm going to bury you for that, dude. You fucking, it was so obvious man jesus christ i love you to death but that everything you did sucked <laughs> i i hope you hear this i might actually send this clip to you zicky but i i love you so much you know you're one of my best friends but everything you did in this match fucking sucked i really did i uh but you know it's not your fault you had to do a reverse battle royal you know i think this is really this is really scott namore's fault i i think more than anything uh yeah i've talked about this match way longer than i intended to i give it a d plus thank god it is not going towards the final grade of the show because i think it would really drag the grade down but yeah zicky i love you but you sucked here <laughs> After that, we get the show started off officially with the ultimate X match between Ace Austin, Speedball Mike Bailey, Kenny King, Trey Miguel, Alex Zane, and Andrew Everett. Andrew Everett taking over for Jack Evans, who was supposed to be in this match, but I believe Jack Evans got hurt over the weekend, so Andrew Everett took his place last minute. I personally, not to not to be mean to Jack Evans, I've never met the guy before, but I think this was an upgrade um, I've, I've seen Jack Evans wrestle and I've seen him wrestle in impact. <sighs> He's a little bit of a botch machine, you know? Um, I think that in this match where there's so much coordination that's needed, I, I, I don't know if Jack Evans would have done as good of a job as Andrew Everett did here, but I do think it was, it was very much an upgrade having Everett in this match. There was a lot of fun spots. As you can imagine, it is an ultimate X match with a lot of very acrobatic guys. The only real issues that I saw where one, there seemed to be some production issues where like I would hear some, it sounded like some music would like start up and then immediately stop shortly after. I heard that a couple of times throughout. And then at some point I heard an announcer who I was not familiar with who would start like he was like welcoming people to the broadcast and then they cut that off. I think what was going on was there was a soccer game going on like across the street, I think, during this pay-per-view. And I think somehow they were picking up bits and pieces of the feed from the soccer game. That's just what I'm assuming was happening. That was a little distracting, but once they got that figured out, everything was cool. There was also another spot where they did like a big uh, Tower of Doom fucking powerbomb spot, and Brandon Toll was very loudly telling the guys to sell and how much time they had left in the match. But um, outside of that, you know, the only real issue I have with the match was that it was less than 10 minutes long. I think it was like nine and a half minutes or something like that. I think it could have been longer. I think if this match would have been like 13 minutes, it could have been perfect. I wanted more, which is not a bad thing to want. I definitely wanted more. Speedball Mike Bailey does win and becomes your new X Division champion. I think it's well-deserved. Like I, I, I would have been okay with anybody winning this match. I was totally cool with Ace Austin not retaining because Ace is kind of a constant in that X division where like over the last few years, there's been a lot of lulls in that division where guys are coming and going and Ace Awesome was always the guy that's like, okay, the division kind of sucks right now. We need to put the belt on somebody exciting. Okay, just put it on Ace again. 
Uh, we're not there right now. I think right now we the X Division is as good as it's been in a very long time with a lot of very talented individuals like you saw in this match. I would have been cool with anybody picking the belt up, but I do think Speedball was the right guy for the job. He's having the best year of his career right now. I put him over really big over WrestleMania weekend because he wrestled like fucking, I don't know, like 20 matches or whatever the fuck it was over three days. Yeah, Speedball is, is kind of on top of the wrestling world right now and probably the right thing to do was capitalize on that momentum and, and put the belt on Speedball. So yeah, congratulations, Mike Bailey, the new X Division champion. I really enjoyed this match, you know, taking the production issues and loud-ass referee aside and then just the, the length of the match. Like I said, I think it really could have been a few minutes longer. I gave this match an A-, and I think it was a great way to start off the pay-per-view broadcast. After that match, we got a tribute to Bob Ryder. Bob Ryder was a very big part of the early years of TNA. Uh, everybody that ever worked with Bob has had nothing but amazing things to say about him, so it was really cool getting that that tribute for Bob right after this match. After that tribute, we see Scott Hudson in the back as he interviews Team Impact. So cool to see Scott Hudson. Big fan of him. Uh, they interview Team Impact, and they talk about Motor City Machine Guns winning the, I think it was like the, the Impact's Greatest Tag Team Award or something along those lines. And they talked about that for a little bit, and then they talked about who is the fifth person going to be. And they, I think they oversold it a little bit. We'll talk about that when we get to that match. But Aldis was like, you know, there was a lot of applicants. But when we looked down at the uh, at the list and we saw this guy's name, it was a no-brainer. And I'm thinking it was going to be like a fucking legend. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right after the interview, we get a Sting video package where Sting talks about his time in TNA and that the, his his TNA career really revitalized his his wrestling career as a whole. He came into TNA whenever he was in his early 40s and really had a fantastic run, and he, he seemed to show a lot of respect to TNA in this video package. I thought that was really cool getting Sting to come on and talk about that. You know, we only had a few people that did video packages for this show, and we'll talk a little bit later about how I feel like, you know, just, I, I feel like we could have had more, but I understand, you know, pay-per-view broadcast constraints or whatever, but I think Sting was definitely a really good choice of, of somebody to have come on and talk about their career, but yeah, uh, this this was really cool getting to see the Sting video package. After that, we go on to the Knockouts Tag Team Championship match, Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie taking the belts off of the influence, Madison Rain and Tino Dashwood. Not a lot to talk talk about here I I wasn't very familiar with this feud going into this from what my wife was explaining to me it was all kind of just thrown together she didn't necessarily know why they were doing this either what the fuck has been going on with Havoc why isn't she there it's 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 really weird I wasn't very invested in this match um it was pretty short which is probably for the best nothing really wrong happened but there was also nothing that really wowed me about this match I gave it a C plus and you know just we'll move on from that after that match we got a Kurt Angle video package another person who just likes staying had the run of their career in Impact. You know, I, I think that for me personally, I consider Kurt more of an Impact guy than I do a WWE guy because he had just such a, a great run, especially, you know, the, the, the few with Samoa Joe where they had literally all of the fucking belts in the company on the line at once. That was so cool. And then you've got his run as the leader of the main event Mafia, which we'll talk about the main event Mafia again a little bit later. But uh, it was really cool getting Kurt Angle to come on and do this. The only problem I had was he was very clearly reading a speech. I thought it was funny because Kurt does this thing where he, he kind of bumbles up words quite a lot. 
And it looked like he was trying really hard to not do that, which was almost distracting for me. But regardless, you know, I, I, I don't mean to make fun of the promo. It was still very awesome getting to see Kurt Angle do this. I was really hoping, you know, whenever I heard Nick Aldis put over who this last guy could be on Team Impact, I was kind of hoping it would be Angle. It's a five-on-five match. He doesn't have to work that much. He could really have an opportunity to do something a little bit better than that shit that he did at WrestleMania against Baron Corbin. But, but yeah, Really cool to see this Kurt Angle video package, though. After that, we have got Monsters Ball between Sammy Callahan and Moose. They've got both guys locked up in a boiler room before the match, getting them disoriented, not giving them any food or water for 24 hours. They both go in this match. Sammy Callahan interrupts Moose during his entrance, and it is fucking just chaos all throughout. I'm not even going to bother trying to go through a blow for blow on this match. It was nuts. It was wild. It was Monsters Ball. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Sammy Callahan or Moose, for different reasons, but this was a pretty fun match. You know, it, a lot of Monsters Ball matches have a tendency to be too much, you know, with like the fucking barbed wire ropes and everything, which I'm kind of surprised they didn't do the barbed wire ropes. I was expecting to see it. I was actually calling it out before they got started. You know, that my, my favorite spot of the whole thing, it wasn't an actual move, but kind of selling the thing about them putting them up in the boiler room for 24 hours before this match and fucking them up and not giving them food or water. During the early moments of the match, Moose goes up to a fan and takes their hot dog and drink so that he could get replenished a little bit. Uh, more than anything, that was my favorite part of the match. And, and, and the reason it was is because they're selling that whole, you know, locked up for 24 hours thing, which that that is an important detail that I'm really glad that Moose addressed. But it was a fun match. Sammy Callahan puts Moose away with a pile driver. B minus. Honestly, you know, like I said, even though I, I personally might not be a huge fan of either one of these guys, I think they had a very fun match here. And it wasn't as crazy as a lot of Monster Ball matches get. It was more, I guess, more in street fight territory as opposed to like deathmatch territory. And that's more up my alley. And like I said, yeah, B minus. This was a pretty damn decent match between these two. After that, we have got the Impact Tag Team Championships, the Briscoes defending against the Good Brothers. This caught me off guard because the Good Brothers wind up picking the belts off of the Briscoes to become three-time Impact Tag Team Champions. Didn't see that coming. Really did not see that coming. You know, uh, today is, is is Monday the 20th. They are filming uh, some, some TV tapings for Impact. I am expecting the Good Brothers to drop the belts during today's tapings. I think we all know that their contracts are, if not up right now, they are about to be up and just seemed really odd to me that they they put the belts on the Good Brothers here. The match itself wasn't bad. I, I really enjoyed Mark and Jay's work here like I always do. I think that they are one of the best tag teams to ever do it. As much as I love Gallows and Anderson, I don't think this was one of their best matches. I don't think they did bad. Chad, I was I was a little critical of him watching this because there were some spots where he would be fighting with Mark on the outside and Mark would go to hit him with some offense and Chad would just completely no-sell it. Like, like, like Mark, like hit him over the back of the head. Chad no sold it. Fucking Mark hit him in the gut. Chad no sold it. I don't know if he was doing that on purpose or what, or if he was just being lazy, but I definitely noticed that. And I'm, you know, I I feel like I'm a bit of a good brothers apologist on here. I know a lot of people aren't into them. I, even me as being friends of these guys, I think that they're both better as singles wrestlers than they are in a tag team. Personally, you know, I think that whenever Carl Anderson has to turn it up, like his match that he just had with Tama Tonga for the Never Belt, the match that he had with Moxley on AEW, he can be 
very, very fucking good. But he can also coast with the best of them. Gallows, whenever he's in like a hardcore type match or a street fight, which I've called multiple Gallows street fights in Lariato, I think that's where he shines the most. He's I compare Gallows to Terry Funk all the fucking time. I also think he's going to wrestle into his 70s just like Terry Funk. As far as this match goes, I think that the Briscoes were, were the MVPs here. The Good Brothers do get the win, though, with the Magic Killer. I give the match a C+. You know, I don't think it was a bad match, but I also don't think it was necessarily a great match. But what I did really enjoy was post-match, America's Most Wanted comes out to share a beer with both of the tag teams. Well... Uh, most of them had a beer. Chris Harris had a had a bottle of water, but that was really cool getting to see America's Most Wanted. I was I had said last week I was really hoping that they were going to be the the last two guys on Team Impact, but once again, we'll talk about that match in a second and talk about who the actual surprise competitor was. But yeah, really cool getting to see America's Most Wanted here. After that, one of my personal highlights of the night, we got a video package saluting Mike Tanay and Don West. This was very moving. I, I was kind of glad to see that it wasn't just me at home on my couch who had a tear in his eye. The broadcast team did as well. Uh, as everybody knows, Don West has been fighting cancer for a little while now. You know, it was really emotional getting to see Don at his best during this video package. And man, I've always been a, a huge fan of the two of them. And, and anytime anybody's asked me about my influence in this business, I tell people I just I try to be a little bit of Mike Tanay and I try to be a little bit of Don West. I really love Tanay. You know, I. Uh, a lot of people complain about his play-by-play work in Impact. Yes, I'll give it to you. He's not the greatest play-by-play guy in the world, but I think he was always really good at setting up the stories and explaining to you why what match, whatever match he's calling, why that match is important. I always thought he was really good at that. And then Don West, he came into this, he came into wrestling with no experience. Whenever he started in TNA, he had no experience as a wrestling broadcaster. He was a fucking salesman. He was a pitch guy. But that infectious excitement and the the constant yelling, you know, whenever he was getting into it, they're they're playing one of his clips and he's he's going nuts about Kurt Angle. And I pointed at the screen and told my wife, that's what I'm trying to do right there. And when I said it, I started choking up mid-sentence and it it fucking it started coming down, guys. I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I definitely started crying. But I, I love both of these guys so much. Such a big fan. And yeah, uh, Don West is... I, I try so hard whenever I do a broadcast. I try so hard to to replicate a little bit of the magic that I thought Don West always brought to, to the TNA broadcast. So I, I absolutely love this video package. When they came out of it, they put over Don West GoFundMe to uh, support his medical bills. He's having, like I said, he's having a really tough time right now. And uh, Hannafin and Ray Walt were just as emotional as I was right then in that moment. And it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. This is stuff like this is why I love wrestling. This is a family. It's all about love. We all love this. There's no better example of somebody who absolutely loved being a part of the wrestling world than Don West. After that, we finally get the match that I have been pre-bitching about leading up to this moment. We have got Honor No More's Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO, and Vincent taking on the Impact Originals, which right now we know is the Motor City Machine Guns, Frankie Kazarian, and Nick Aldis. Scott Demore comes out to the broadcast booth in his Coach Demore Team Canada garb. I did pop for that. I don't necessarily think this was the right time for Scott to come out. Personally, I would have rathered him in the main event, but we will talk 
talk about that in a little bit. And before we see the fifth member of the Impact Originals, Dixie Carter, comes out. Dixie was announced to be a part of the show. Uh, I don't think, once again, kind of like Scott, I don't think this is a good time to have Dixie come out because she kind of killed the momentum. You know, we're waiting on this huge surprise entrant and she comes out and just, you know, talks about, oh, I just want to thank everybody for fucking, you know, all the 20 years of impact. And it's like, not, this ain't the time to do that. This ain't the time for thank yous. Let's let's get the fucking match going. She announces, you know, my wife was expecting it would be EC3 or somebody because, you know, EC3 is like Dixie's kayfabe nephew, which would have made sense for her to be out there. But instead, she calls out Dixie. Davy Richards. Now, I want to be very clear. I like Davy Richards. I think he is a great wrestler. Obviously, there is a story to tell here because Davy and Eddie Edwards were the American Wolves. But I think that Davy was a bit of a letdown as this huge surprise entrant for Team Impact. I think if they would have just said that it was Davy Richards last week, I wouldn't have cared. It would have been fine. But whenever you have this, you have this spot where you're teasing this person, and especially you have Aldis like, oh god, we looked at the list, and fuck, it had to be this dude. You're thinking it's going to be a bigger name. You're thinking it's going to be somebody like Sting, or somebody like Angle, or Samoa Joe. Like, all these different possibilities start crossing your mind. The last fucking thing you're thinking about is Davey Richards. And, like, this is Impact Originals, you know, and I, I think that the first three guys, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns, and and Kazarian, these are all old, old school guys. I know for a fact Saban and Kazarian were there during the Asylum years. I think Alex Shelley might have been. I know the Motor City Machine Guns were not a thing until like 2005, 2006 when they were out of the Asylum. But those guys I definitely consider originals. Aldis is kind of pushing it. He was like, what, like 2009 or something like that? So that's kind of pushing it. Davey Richards didn't join until I think like fucking 2014. Like, I, I hardly consider Davey an original. So that, that was really weird, you know, but like I said, like I felt bad because I like Davey Richards a lot, fucking very, very talented wrestler, but yeah, kind of a fucking letdown. The match was all over the place. It was overbooked to hell and back. You've got Earl Hebner's on the outside with, with Tracy Brooks, the wife of Kazarian. Tracy Brooks gets involved and winds up uh, slapping down Maria Canellis. Then Earl Hebner gets up there whenever his son Brian gets knocked out to the outside. They do the finish where Chris Saban hits Cradle Shock on PCO. And then he has to like sit there and hold the pin forever while Earl Hebner takes his time getting in the ring and taking off his glasses and revealing his referee shirt underneath. Which like, I understand Earl is, is not the, the youngest guy in the world. I get it. You know, he moves a little slower at his old age. But they could have probably started to set this spot up a little bit sooner. It... Took a long time, and I was screaming at Earl through my TV. It was it, it drove me up a wall. This match was overbooked to hell. Uh, the wrestling was good for the most part, you know, like other than the fact that it was just off the fucking rails at the end. But I just wasn't invested, you know. I think if this was an elimination match, it, it could have benefited a lot better. Just there was way too much fucking chaos in this match. I, I do give it a C plus though. Like they tried but just really wasn't for me, and I wanted it to be, because I, I like big multi-man matches like this, but yeah, just, just kind of off the fucking wall, C+. After that, we have got what I think could be probably the biggest surprise of the night, a video package from the phenomenal AJ 
Styles. AJ, as we all know, is a WWE superstar right now, so it is very, very amazing that they actually let him do this promo. He talked about being voted not only the greatest X-Division wrestler, but the greatest male wrestler in Impact ever, and uh, which is well-deserved. I voted for him, for sure. Uh, it was it was very cool, you know. It's, it's not often or ever, that you see WWE do something like this. I think the last time you had a WWE star appear on Impact's broadcast was, I think, whenever they did the the trade thing where Ric Flair went over there for one night to to be with the Horsemen as they were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And then you had Christian Cage show up and cut a promo for Impact. I think this is the last time since then that something like this has happened. But yeah, very cool. AJ cut a very good promo talking about how important Impact has been to him and his career. And yeah, just great to see. This was very surprising, and I love that they were able to do this. After that, we have got the Queen of the Mountain match, where Tasha Steeles defends her Knockouts Championship against Jordan Grace, Chelsea Green, Deanna Parazzo, and Mia Yim, with Mickey James as a special guest enforcer. So a couple of big things I want to put out there right out of the gate. I buried the King of the Mountain stipulation on last week's episode. I stand by that. I fucking hate this stipulation, and it is stupid, for sure. And uh, I don't like special guest enforcers because a lot of times there's some bias shit that just from a, you know, a, a perspective, a kayfabe perspective just doesn't really make much sense to me. Mickey got way too involved in this match. You know, I, I think the stuff where she was like forcing the girls to get in the penalty box whenever they needed to be in there. I think that was fine. But there was a point where she's like purposely fucking over some of the wrestlers in the match. And that was just, I hate that so much. Just put her in the fucking match if that's what you want to do. But outside of that, you know what? This is a dumb stipulation but all of these women did a very solid job of trying to make a compelling match out of it. There was some good spots throughout. I love the spot where Deanna and Chelsea go through the tables together. That shit looked fucking brutal, but I, I think everybody pulled their shit off great. Jordan Grace winds up winning by putting the Knockouts Championship in the rafters and then immediately taking it back off because that is a stupid way to win a match. But uh, I think what's weird is like Jordan was out of the five women in this match Jordan's probably the last one I would have put the belt on and I also didn't like that Tasha was like immediately pinned she's supposed to be the knockout champion they pinned her with the fucking quickness and I think she went in the penalty box a couple of times which kind of sucks like a way to bury your current fucking champion but as far as you know just just being a match goes a lot of the spots were good a lot of the latter stuff was good it's just, it just suffered from being a dumb match stipulation. It's it's just so hard to fucking follow. Like, I put it up there with the reverse battle royal in the book of dumb shit that TNA has done. Like I said, all the women in this match did the best with what they had. I, I do think that, that Mia Yim was so fucking killer in this match. I think Deanna had some really good shit in this match. And Jordan did have some good power moves in this match. But Jordan was probably the last one I put, I would have personally put the belt on. But I'm still not mad at it. I give it a B minus because, and that's, and a lot of that has to do with effort. You know, like I said, they busted their ass in this match. All the women involved did. It's just such a goofy match. That's really hard to watch, and it went really fucking long. After that, Gia Miller introduces the original backstage interviewer, Goldilocks. Goldilocks had on more spray tan than I think I've ever seen in my fucking life. I was confused at first. I it, Her fucking spray tan was so dark, I thought she was doing blackface for a second. Holy shit, lay off the spray tan Goldilocks. 
regardless of, of, of that little cosmetic issue, still cool to see Goldilocks. Like I said, the very first backstage interviewer in Impact. Goldilocks then interviews Gail Kim, who Gail Kim won the Impact's Best Women's Wrestler Ever Award. I also voted for Gail Kim as well, so I was two for two on people I voted for. But uh, yeah, that was really cool, getting to, see, getting to see Goldilocks, getting to see Gail Kim. That was definitely really fun. After that, we go into the main event, Josh Alexander defending the Impact World Championship against Eric Young. Very few things about this match that I didn't like. Let's talk about those first. One, I would have loved to have Scott Demore come out during this match instead of the 5-on-5 match because of the personal history that he has with both of these guys and both of these guys being Canadians, one of them specifically being from Team Canada with Scott Demore. There was a spot later in the match where they used Scott Demore's hockey stick and Canadian flag as a weapon. They still could have done that. If Scott would have been out there, I think it would have been a way more beneficial to have Scott in this match. But, you know, that that was one of the very few issues that I have with this match. Outside of that, I would have loved to see EY do a tribute with his gear. He's had so many different iterations of his character in Impact Wrestling. There's, of course, Team Canada EY, Showtime Eric Young, Don't Fire Eric, the stuff with ODB, the, 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 the stuff with the band. EY had so many different characters in this promotion, and I would have loved to seen something like that with his gear. If he would have just worn the pants again, you know, the white pants like he wore as Showtime Eric or something like that, that would have been awesome, but he didn't do any of that. He, he had some yellow trunks on, which I guess, I guess Super Eric's gear was yellow, so I guess maybe that could count as a tribute, but, uh, you know, uh, Josh Alexander did have a little tribute of his own. His, his singlet was based kind of on Kurt Angle's main event mafia singlet. So he did have that going, uh, outside of that, you know, I wish Scott Demore was out there on commentary for this match. I wish EY had done something more of a tribute with his gear outside of that. That's the only shit that I hated with this match. Everything else I fucking loved. This match was a love letter to the last 20 years of TNA and Impact Wrestling. So many finishers from all of the great fucking Impact originals popped up during this match. We saw Black Hole Slam. We saw the stroke. We saw the Uranagi in the corner. We saw the Muscle Buster. The Styles Clash. The Angle Slam. Uh, just, just so many amazing moves from all of the, the great Impact originals showed up in this match. This was very much a love letter to Impact Wrestling. And the match ended where EY pulls up the padding and the canvas on the ring to expose the boards underneath. He hits Josh Alexander with a pile driver on the wood. Alexander kicks out. I kind of thought that was a little much. You're going to hit somebody with a pile driver on the wood. They should be fucking over. Outside of that, uh, yeah, that was the only problem I had with the actual match itself. Alexander gets up. He winds up hitting that huge patented Uranagi in the corner, Samoa Joe style. Then he picks up EY, hits him with the C4 on the wood, and retains the world championship. I think this was a great idea keeping the belt on Josh Alexander. This is a an example of them going with the future instead of just defaulting back to the past. This guy is the guy in impact now. And we are going to be talking about Josh Alexander in 20 years the same way that we're talking about Eric Young right now. 
And uh, yeah, I fucking love this match. It was so good. Go back and watch this. One of my favorite matches I've ever reviewed on this podcast. I give it an A+. The coveted A-plus on Main Event Heat. They should be proud. I should get a plaque for these guys and send it to them. I've uh, I've worked with Josh Alexander and Eric Young before. I've called both of their matches before. I have so much fun calling their matches because they're so fucking good at what they do. And I think what... We all saw on Slammiversary when they wrestled each other is the best version of both Eric Young and Josh Alexander. Yeah, A-plus, phenomenal match, great way to end the show. My final grade for Impact Slammiversary 2022 is a B. I actually found an, an app on my PC where I could pull all the grades together and get an actual average grade. I haven't been doing that before, so some of my my final grades might have seemed a little weird. But this time, this is actually the perfect final grade. This is what it's meant to be. Final grade is a B. There was so much to like about this match. It was very much, like I said, a love letter to the last 20 years of Impact. I felt like throughout the broadcast, they could have done a little bit more. I feel like you could have had a few more video packages, could have got a, a few more huge names from the history of Impact to come on there and, and talk about Impact. They didn't do that, but I, you know, even though I felt like throughout the show there was more they could have done, I had never at any point felt like they didn't do enough. They definitely could have done more, but I think that they did do at least enough. And then the main event really tied it all together. So many throwbacks, like I said, just... So much greatness happened in that main event, even though there were a couple of matches throughout the night that I wasn't huge on. I think that the main event just tied everything together and and made the show worth it. If there is one match to go back and watch, it is for sure the main event. Josh Alexander versus Eric Young. There is one match you should not go back and watch. It is the Reverse Battle Royal. Do not watch that piece of shit. But yeah, congratulations to Impact on 20 years. The company that just wouldn't fucking die no matter how hard everybody in the fucking company tried to kill it. It just wouldn't go anywhere. Congratulations, Impact. I, I'm, I'm proud to be a fan. I'm proud to have worked with so many people that were on this card tonight. Yeah, big ups to Impact. Here's the 20 more. Impact's next pay-per-view is going to be against all odds. That will be taking place, I think, July 1st here in Atlanta, Georgia at Center Stage. Will I be at that show? Probably not. I might be. I'll ask if they need some help with anything, but uh, I probably won't go there. But Center Stage is such a cool venue. If you guys are going to be in and around Atlanta during July 1st, whenever Impact is here, go check that out. You know, that's a very famous venue. I have been privileged enough to say that I have worked in that venue before. Absolutely love Center Stage. There is not a bad seat in the house. So if you will be in Atlanta during that weekend, please go check out Against All Odds. That's going to do it for the review of Slammiversary, though. As far as my wrestling career goes, I just filmed the first live-streamed episode of Main Event Wrestling from Georgia. It is on YouTube right now. You guys can go check that out. I will make sure to put the link for that YouTube video in the description of this week's episode. Really cool getting a stream live. Haven't done a, a live wrestling stream in a while. This was the first time that we've done it with Main Event Wrestling. If you guys enjoyed that, we'll have the big IWM birthday bash July 23rd in Thomaston, Georgia at the Upson County Civic Center. I will be joined by none other than the WWE Hall of Famer, Road Dog Jesse 
James on commentary still doesn't even feel real to say that shit out loud. And next week on Main Event Heat, we are going to be talking about AEW Cross New Japan Forbidden Door. Not much of a preview to talk about this week. They've only announced a few matches, and I'm going to be honest with you, as we sit right now a week away from the show, I'm not as excited as I once was. The, uh, these matches are not intriguing me like I thought they were going to. I think a lot of the wrestling world agrees with me right now. I really hope this week on Dynamite we announce some bangers for matches, but uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I am I really got a bad feeling going into Forbidden Door. Like this, this is not going to be able to live up to the hype. I have a really bad feeling about that. But regardless, we're going to talk about Forbidden Door next week right here on Main Event Heat. Until then, if you would like to send in any kind of feedback for the show, if you have any questions you'd like to get answered, literally anything, you can send an email to maineventheat at yahoo.com. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can do so. So by finding at Sweet Sexy Rob on Twitter and Instagram. If you would like to support the podcast, the best way to do that is by picking up a t-shirt over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. And once again, thanks for hanging out. <laughs>